This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. morning. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 3rd, episode 2988, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse friends. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Good morning, everybody. On today's show, we have our Daily Dose Horse Health Report with Dr. Ascaro from the Haggard Equine Medical Institute. We haven't had them on in a while. And she's going to speak about post-competition leg care, including how to properly do leg wraps and which leg wraps to use and all that stuff. Henrietta from HorseyHooves.com gives us uh, a quiz. So apparently we're going to get an anatomy quiz and we're going to play against each other, which I have doubts I will win. <laughs> and we have some weird news. Apparently there's some of that in the world right let now. Me, let, me, let me just interrupt yeah. real quick because Chantel, a listener, emailed me a weird news story that is so shocking and disgusting. I cannot use it for the regular show. So in the post show today, there will be possibly the most disgusting and most shocking weird news story in the history of weird news. Do I want to hear this one? Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> and and all of you should be vegetarian. And this is going to be the reason why in the post show coming up, why to give up meat in your diet. All right. And I'm also going to talk about something that I found interesting that I didn't know about. And that's betting on USEF sports, not just racing. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's another way for me to spend my money. <laughs> so uh, they had to come out with some rules because some of this is going on already. And I didn't even know about it. So uh, two weeks from today, we're going to do episode 3000 here on Horses in the Morning. We've been talking about this a lot because it's a big deal. Not too many, not too many, hardly any podcasts in the world have ever hit episode 3000. And we're going to be doing a Facebook live feed for the auditors that day. So you get to watch us do it right there on uh, the auditor Facebook page. And you get to participate by commenting in the comments and kind of join in. We have no guests that day. It's just going to be Jamie and I and a whole bunch of recordings that you all did for us. So we're just going to hang out and talk about the last 3,000 episodes, the last 12 years. And if you want to join us and become an auditor so you too can see the video, uh, just go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner in the upper right-hand corner of the page. And let's do some daily winnies. So this is one of those days where the last names were just too hard, so I only wrote down the first names. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, uh, happy birthday to auditors Flossie. Now, Flossie didn't have her 
She doesn't have her date of birth on her Facebook page, but one of the other auditors filled me in. So, uh-huh. so you can't get away from us that easy, Flossie. Happy birthday to you, Melanie, Patty, and Sarah. Happy birthday to all of you. Now I want to know what their last names are so I can <laughs> laugh at you for your couple of these you might have trouble with. <laughs> it, it runs like that. Some days are all easy and some days are all hard. Well, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our friends that listen to this podcast because I went to Horse and Hound yesterday, which is the rescue that I train horses for. And I went to pick up a couple more. I took July off because, you know, it's July. It's hot. <laughs> and it sucks. And so, but I went up and I was getting caught up on all the horses and who is getting adopted and who's hanging out. And like my friend uh, in Florida is adopting one. They're just waiting on the shipper. And then we're doing this, this. And Nelda, who runs a rescue, said, You know what, Jamie? I'm so thrilled with some of the people that have been connected to horses because of your podcast. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said that Diana Stuckey and Jessica Troop both popped out in her mind as the ones that you just you just make you smile because both of them share updates about their adopted off the track thoroughbreds all the time. So those of you that also have adopted, please let us know how it's going. I want to see everything, but she, it, it was almost like a by proxy, uh, <laughs> daily Winnie. Cause Nelda actually kind of gave you one. So thanks you guys for participating and keeping us up to date on all these horses. I got a couple new ones in today and, um, one is is super cool. The other is super scared. So I think the super scared one will come around, but it's definitely uh, one of the more challenging ones, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And uh, get up at four in the morning to work them. August is I, still a little toasty. I know. I got up at five <laughs> this morning. It wasn't even light yet. By the time I got out, it was sun was coming up. I'm like, all right, back to work. <laughs> this month of slacking. I was like, can I not work anymore? Can I just like play with my own ponies? Turns out you actually have to have a job. Like to it doesn't make, pay as well. I, it doesn't yeah. pay very well at all. Uh, so um, then your yeah. husband works. He's been promoted. So now you can just retire. Right. That's what <laughs> I said. But it turns out that that's not how it works. So it's <laughs> not what he said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can I just like sit on the couch and eat bonbons? Like, no, you no. can't. No, I have to work. Funny. Spouses are that way. They kind of think you should be doing something too. Especially when I have a giant barn that's sitting down there. I'm, I'm happy to just have it like full of my own ponies, but <laughs> it's not really lucrative. Yeah. We tried that once. Didn't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I have something for you today. Uh, Let's do this. And now it's time for today's equestrian, who knew, fact of the day. So it's been a thing with mules over the years that they put bells in the tail. And apparently that has an origin and has a meaning. I just thought it was so you could find the mule, but apparently I not. I didn't know they did that, but yes. I'm not uh, around mules a lot. It, so that's been kind, it's kind of a thing, right? So apparently the reason that came about is the army, of course, used mules all the time from the earliest days before cars and all that stuff. And they would shave off the tail of a green mule. So all the mules, imagine, a, you know, 200 mules out together because they, they, 
needed these large mule trains pulling wagons and stuff. So they would put them out together. What would they do when they get a new mule in? They would shave the tail. That way, if you knew that there was a mule there with a completely shaved tail, that was a green one. You probably That sounds didn't. really You probably awful. didn't want to get behind it, you know, <laughs> steer clear of those. Uh, so when the mule was trained to do packing, was actually trained as a pack mule, they would, the tail's growing out at this point, and they would braid a bell into the tail. So one bell, the horse was trained to be a pack mule. Once the mule was trained to drive, like a wagon or whatever, a second bell was added below the first. So now you know that that one's trained to pack and drive. And then when it was trained to ride, a third bell was added below the second bell. So a three-bell mule was ready to pack, drive, and ride. This way, when they went out, you know, when only soldiers went out in the middle of a crowd full of mules, it was easy to identify which one they needed for the job they had that day. So that's Who was responsible, number one, for – I just don't think of soldiers as like, go out there and braid this into their tail. Like, yeah, I don't see that. you got to remember, everybody back then was a horse person. True. I also can't imagine walking up to an untrained green mule and shaving its tail. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. My guess is stocks were involved because I don't see any other way for that to happen. Come here, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> but that's how the bells and the tails of mules came about. So there you go. Learn something new today. Who knew? Uh, also, did you have you seen the viral video? I wanted to talk about this uh, of the Queen's Royal Guard. Oh, yelled at the lady? Yes. But so if you haven't seen it, you're one of very few. So it was a TikTok video. Apparently, the, the Queen's guards come out on horseback in front of uh, Buckingham Palace there. I've stood right in front of them and seen them. I had my picture taken with one. There you so, go. Yeah. So you know exactly. They kind of come out through the over arches, right? And yes. kind of hang out there. Well, this video shows a lady walking up. And apparently, this happens more often than you think. A lady walked up to get her picture taken, but grabbed the horse's bridle, the reins. And apparently the soldier or let, let her have it, just yelled at her. <laughs> so in the video, you can kind of hear it. Um, but he yelled at her. And it's had over 5 million views now and is just going crazy. And apparently people are divided about whether it was right to yell at her or not. But the guards say it's a safety issue. You know, the, the people come up and they grab the reins and, you know, that's just not good. So, she didn't just reach up. Like she grabbed she the grabbed reins it. and like kind of pulled the horse's face towards yes. her and everything to like get it and she the did it a couple selfie. times before he yelled at her <laughs> yes, to be fair i thought he was pretty patient actually yeah. uh but the, you know the non-horse people think it's just awful that this this guard and apparently one of their things they're like the guards who stand on the ground they don't talk you know they never talk to anybody but apparently they don't talk had, they just yell he had, i don't know what happened to him i don't know if he got in trouble or if he was right i think he was right to yell at her because she just she was in the wrong on this one. And you know what? If the horse had done something stupid and trampled her ass, then, uh, you know, it would have been his fault. <laughs> so, uh, True. What yeah. happened to the guard? Yeah, I don't know. That... If anybody knows, let us know. Because I I can't believe anything happened. Because, But it did go viral. I mean, it's probably up to 10 million views by now. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, the guards have, you know, we've had some slip and some fall and parades recently and all that stuff. Uh, and there's been yeah. one. Yeah, do you have an answer? Let's see. Queen's horse guard shouts at woman for touching horse's rein. Video triggers viral debate. Um, let's see. I've seen the video. Um, no, 
<laughs> it doesn't say. It doesn't say. Yeah, I don't. Just there's a lot of videos. The oh, shouting that's was interesting. unnecessary. That's interesting. When I go to the original video now, it's unavailable. It's been taken down. Oh, well, you can go to its website, indianexpress.com. They apparently... Yeah, the original poster took it down. Or it got taken down. I'm not sure which. But that's interesting. Yeah, they had a right to do that. <laughs> Excuse me. Plus, there was another thing, too, before we get to our first guest. Oh, my God. It says, I have no doubt she's a tourist, and this definitely will have spoiled her day. What a shame. Listen, Karen, (laughs) keep it down. (laughs) What a shame. I feel real bad. Um, So the other thing, too, and talk about this is my day of reading articles that I didn't know were a thing anymore. So they're building a $55 million quarter horse track in, in Kentucky, quarter horse racing track. First of all, I I thought quarter horse racing was going to kind of be on the decline, kind of like Arabian racing and harness racing, because tracks are closing all over the country, even thoroughbred tracks. And we're building a $55 million quarter horse track in, in rural Kentucky. I was just shocked at that. I didn't, wow. I, I didn't know that. Would, I thought that would be the thing that would be gone in the next five years. But apparently I was wrong. <laughs> so a lot of things I wasn't aware of, and we're going to talk about one of them in the post show today. But first, we're going to go overseas, and we're getting Henrietta on. Oh, she's with HorseyHoops.com. Well, she's lucky to be in Europe because tourists say they'll never return to London after being <laughs> yelled at. We're going to have to ask her about that because she lives in the UK. We're going to have to ask her. But uh, apparently, she has a quiz for us today. So we're I can't to, wait. We're going to see who's the most knowledgeable. Well, Henrietta, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. So last, I don't know where you are in the world this time. Each time it seems like you're in a different place. <laughs> where are you yeah, at that's now? fair enough. Uh, I'm just at home here in uh, West Wales. Okay, good. You know, we were just talking about the viral video. I wanted to know if you had any comment on it. Where the lady grabbed the uh, the guard, the queen's guards, horses uh, rein, her, the bridle. Did you see that TikTok video? No, I have not come across it yet, but okay. I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, you have to check it out. Cause, uh, and then the guard yelled at her, and it's like made news all over the world. That this, wow. This poor except lady, for in West Wales. Except for in West Wales. Nobody <laughs> it cares. It seems there. like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I heard you have a quiz for us today. What What's going on? Mm. Yeah, so uh, I made this quiz out of my uh, article, uh, 15 Horse Anatomy Facts, and uh, I'm very curious if you'll beat my partner who also took the quiz. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> How many did the partner get so we know what we have to strive for? Um, He got about 80% of it. So like, um, oh, what no. was it like? You're screwed, Glenn. I'm a loser then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. All right, we're ready. <laughs> All right, so the first question is... Um, how are horses able to sleep standing up? If you can explain that. Glenn, would you like to take this or would you like me to give you the correct answer? Which one would you like? Uh, I am not ringing the buzzer first on this one. Okay. Well, they have a locking mechanism in their stifle that it's like the like a knee, but there's an extra ligament that helps them sleep standing up that locks that patella in place. Yes, indeed. Uh, we call it the stay apparatus, and that ligament you're talking about, I'm pretty sure it's called the peroneus tertius tendon. Um, yeah, I think so she correct. only gets half credit because she didn't get peroneus tertius tendon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, we can give the credit to, to Jamie. Yeah. Come on, Glenn, bring it on. Bring it, Henry, let's go. 
Right, let's see if you can guess how large a horse's eye is compared to the human eye. Like, how many times bigger? Ding, oh. ding, ding. Go I am ahead. going to guess... Four times bigger. I'll Ooh. go with five. Wow, well, you are both underestimating horses then because they have eyes eight times larger than humans <gasps> and they actually have the largest eyes of all land mammals. Oh, we were both Interesting. wrong. I wasn't really wrong. I was just trying to get closer than you. It's like it's like in the price is right where you guess and they're like, one dollar, Bob. That would be me. I guess you win then. You know, there's there's <laughs> listeners at home going, I'm getting every one. What's wrong with those two? Eight times. Okay. Eight times. <laughs> All right. So number three is um, so which one takes up more space in a horse's skull, their teeth or their brain? I'm gonna go uh, with their teeth. Yeah, same. Yes, that's correct. Oh, they yeah, have, we each get a yeah, yeah, quite a lot more space, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have huge teeth, and they seem to go on forever. So, yeah, yeah, they they are born with all of their teeth like fully formed that like continuously erupt throughout their lives. So, yeah, they are, already have all of their teeth <laughs> when they're born. And we all know that some of them aren't so smart, so the brains aren't so big. Uh, now, Scooter, <laughs> my pony, on the other hand, I think it's probably the other way around. He's pretty sharp. <laughs> All right. All right. Right. All right. So it's two to one. I'm losing. Yes. Yeah. Big surprise. <laughs> so if you, um, yeah. So my fourth question is, um, uh, I'm guessing you're aware that Arabian horses have fewer bones than the average horse. And can you guess which bones are missing or and any of the bones that are missing? One of the vertebrae. Yes. So one of the lumbar verte- vertebrae they have less of. Yeah. Glenn knew that though, right? I, I did. Yeah, that was my first guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other guesses? There's, there's a couple more. There. I know there's one lumbar vertebrae that's missing. I did not know that there were others. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's also a pair of ribs missing, and they also have less tail vertebrae, which is why they are able to lift their tails so high up. Hmm. I did not know that. Very interesting. It is. I always wonder why their tails got higher than everybody else's. I just think. I, I always thought they just put in more effort. <laughs> they're just. They're just extra. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can lift my tail higher than yours. I didn't know there was actually a physical reason for that. Yeah, yeah. They they have some help from their anatomy, I guess, and breathing genetics. Know that. Ooh. <laughs> Apparently, you did. <laughs> and are these one hundred percent confirmed? Uh, yes, I have okay. um, written them down a few times, and yeah, I, I can, I would say so, yeah. Okay, just checking, just checking. <laughs> well, any listeners can correct us, I guess. Uh, oh, they do. But they, will. they will. They that's will. Yeah. That's why I was going for the, like, you have to be 100% positive about this because somebody's going to send am. you an email. All right, next one. Next one. So, um, do horses have a gallbladder, yes or no? I'm going to go with... Yes. I'm going to go with no. Yes. So uh, Jamie wins this one as well. So they don't need one because they only have like small frequent meals and they don't need a, a, a big release of bile like we do, for example, who like we eat fewer but larger meals. That's why we have one. Yes. And their cecum takes up that role. Yes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I think you two. I'm a nerd. I think there's <laughs> cheating going on here. Okay. Next. Next one. Um. Do you guys know why horses don't have a collarbone like we do? A collarbone because they don't have 
shoulders like we do. They have free-floating scapulas. Mm, yeah, indeed. So if they did have a collarbone, their stride would be restricted, so they wouldn't be able to stretch their legs out so far and run that fast. Okay. How are you getting all of these? Because <laughs> I'm a horse idiot, okay? What <laughs> a nerd. I know, <laughs> well <right>? done. <laughs> All right. There's Continue the humiliation. To, there's a reason you hired me to do this job. There okay? is, yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't know these for sure. But you can get some validation now, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that equine management school I went to really paid off. Indeed, indeed. So, um, next one is um, why is it cruel or not right to trim a horse's whiskers. You know, the FEI has banned uh, to, to do this in like competition. Well, we all know because they don't see down there by their nose and that's mm. how they see. Yeah, yeah. I would have gotten that one. I just want to clarify. Yeah. She jumped you in. Knew I, I <laughs> you knew that one. I did know that one because we've talked about it before. Well, yeah. you can go on that, uh, first on the next one then, Glenn. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, oh, this is actually a hard one. So I won't blame <laughs> you if you can guess it. Uh-huh, give it to him. So uh, why are all horses naturally asymmetrical? You know, one side of they prefer going on one side and one side of their uh, muscles are like stronger than the other side. Because they're like left and right handed like we are. Yeah. But do you know why or where this comes from? Yeah, Glenn. No, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, when horses are born, they are born with their legs forward and like one of the legs is always in front of the other and whichever leg comes out first will be the dominant one and that's the leg they will prefer, basically. What about when my filly who was born in um, May, she tried to come out sideways and uh, what does that say? (laughs) She's either super talented at everything in the whole world. Yeah, all she does is side pass. She'll be great at side passing. She's coming out ribcage first. That can't be right. (laughs) I hope that went well. It sounds like, you know, it worked out. It all worked out. It's good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, Right. So question nine is um, how long do you think it takes to regrow an entire hoof? So like from new. Glenn, do you want to guess this? Do you know this one? Yeah. Oh, I'm going (laughs) to guess one year. Yes. Is that, is that right? That's right. <laughs> that was a good guess. Well done. <laughs> that was a total guess right there. <laughs> yeah, well. So, yeah, it grows like about a quarter of an inch to half an inch a month. And like, depending on season, it goes faster in the summer, slower in the winter. But yeah, it, it takes about one year. So I can well tell done. you, because I lost a fingernail not long ago, that uh, six months to grow a fingernail on a human. That's disgusting. Right. Thank you for that. <laughs> what else do you want to know? <laughs> Right. Um, so, uh, next question is: Why do male horses tend to have more teeth than females? If they you have. Guys want- I know this one. Do you want to get it? Do you want to go, Glenn? They have more teeth than females. I feel like we should just quiz you so you learn we, something. Um, because males eat more. We're we're hungrier. <laughs> that well, could be, or it could be because they fight and they need canines to rip and tear and to protect their. Well, that's just gross. Yeah. So, um, well, that's that might be one of the reasons why. But yeah. So, how many do you think they have, like males compared to females, like potentially up to up to four? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
God, yeah. I think Jamie read ahead. I think she. she <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if any of you would do that. So. I, <laughs> no, no we don't cheat. We Obviously, don't cheat. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but why would they have the canines then? Um, well, one of the theories is that um, the horses used to use their canine teeth to like chew twigs, and like when they were still browsers, living in forests and eating like bushes and twigs and stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not. I guess then that doesn't why explain. Would, yeah, why would mares not have those teeth? See? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you're oh. right with the ripping and yeah, attacking theory then. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> I'm helping you, Henrietta out. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's just what I've heard is because they have yeah. you know they've got the incisors up front, the molars in the back. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, you'll find a female that oddly enough has canines, but mm-hmm. it's very rare. And so yeah. somebody told me that. So when they would fight, it gave them an extra bit to sink their teeth in. Well, well it seems like I learned something today then. That's really interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> All right. The next one is a true or false question. Um Horses can only breathe through their nose. Is that true or false? I'm, I think it's true. Yes, you're correct in that one. Yeah, I think we had covered that one on a health thing one time. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah, but um, yeah, they kind of there is no airflow going in between like the their mouth and the the trachea, other than when. Yeah. So in twelve years of doing this show, I've learned one thing. Glenn, wait, see, that, that's what this show is for, is not to educate the listeners, it's to educate you. <laughs> I've learned one thing in 12 years. <laughs> oh, wow. So proud. That you got that one right, so... I, I, um, I stopped oh. keeping score because it was depressing, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any more? Uh, there's, um, we have time for one more. Uh, all right, so um, the next one... Then I'm going to say, um, how heavy do you think a horse's heart is? Like, uh, you can compare it to a human or like how many you can pounds? guess. Yeah, how many pounds? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess 20 pounds because it's pretty I big. was going to guess 12. Yeah, 12 is closer to the truth. So it's it's on average 9 to 10 pounds. But racehorses have a bigger heart. So there was actually a racehorse. You probably know Secretariat yeah, who had like a, a heart 20 to 21 pounds heavy. So um, that's like twice the size of the average horse's heart, which was pretty incredible. But that was also why he kept winning. So, yeah. Yes, no, that, that's a very guess. efficient way to pump blood and reoxygenate mm. it. How about that, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Twice as much space to do it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, uh, well Henrietta, it's always <laughs> awesome to talk to you. Thank you for bringing us a quiz. Feel free to bring quizzes back every time. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, okay, Glenn. yeah. Yeah, Jamie <laughs> likes that idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Henrietta. Great. Thank you. It's com is where you can find the articles that she writes. And I'm sure there was an article about horse anatomy that you can find over there. You know, all I could find was um, things about the Dutton family. So if you are a huge Mm -hmm. fan of Yellowstone, you definitely want to go check out uh, horseyhooves.com because there's a lot about the Duttons. Yeah, I'm working on something right now. So go ahead. Perfect. All right. (laughs) right, Horseyhooves.com. Thanks, Henrietta. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So um, we we have, and I'm not going to mention which one, we have on our Netflix account... Well, I will mention which one. Dutton event. You know how when you sign in the Netflix, you get your little thing that says Glenn and Jennifer and the kids or whatever? Yeah. 
Yeah, your avatar. We have a Dutton eventing is on ours. Why? I don't know. Are you signed into Philip Dutton's Netflix no, we're account? we're using ours. I'm wondering if he signed into ours. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Philip I, Dutton is pirating your Netflix. I don't know how this is. I will take a picture and show it to you because I don't know how it's happened. It's the most bizarre Are you serious? Be, yes. be, like, do you have the Netflix where you can watch more than one TV at a time? I don't know. Because like we never do, now so. in our house, we have Netflix set up. But if Lucas is watching it in the living room, we can't watch it in the bedroom because you can only be signed in one account at a time. So if that's the case, you need to call Philip and be like, <laughs> what are you guys doing with our account? <laughs> I wonder how this happened. I don't know. I'll take a picture and show it. I'll send it to you. That's All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Stateline tech is, is where you want to go. You know, we're going to be talking about all kinds of leg wraps and, and leg or hoof boots and all kinds of stuff here coming Coming up shortly with the vet that's coming on. And you can find all of those things at statelinetech.com. They also right now have a ton of fly sheets in. So you can go over there and find every kind of fly sheet. I remember when fly sheets came out. There were like two varieties of fly sheets when they first came out. It was a thing that everybody went, what? What does, what's a fly sheet? Uh, but now there's like pages and pages and pages of fly sheets. You can get about 50 different varieties of fly sheets. So head on over right now to statelinetech.com for your leg protection, for fly sheets, and also for western boots, paddock boots, casual wear, all kinds of different stuff. A lot of people are going to be going full back into uh, competing here in the fall, and they have all the riding apparel for that as well. Stateline. I was amazed, by the way, when we were driving on our trip up to Colorado, how I would randomly drive. We were on some country roads, and you would look over to the left, and there was horses in full fly sheet gear. And, of course, then my son, who's nine, goes, Mom, it's hot outside. Why is that horse wearing a blanket? So (laughs) (laughs) keep in mind your neighbors are going to think your horses are blanketed in the summer. They're going to be calling uh, calling the USVCA to come out. (laughs) Lucas just said, I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time for this. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, Attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. This horse health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Well, I would love to welcome to the show a new friend of ours from Haggard's, and we're going to talk to Sarah Escaro. She's a vet at Haggard's in, I be- are you in Lexington, I guess? Yes, ma'am. We're in Lexington, Kentucky. Don't call me ma'am. So today we're going to talk a little bit about bandaging. You know, this is something that a lot of people are having questions about, especially at this time in the year, because it's so hot to bandage your horse may or may not be beneficial depending on what they need done. And we did have a, an auditor, a, a listener of ours, ask questions about bandaging. So let Let's talk a little bit about some leg therapies. Perfect. So tell us a little bit. When would you wrap a horse's leg? For what reason? Yeah. So I would say kind of the the common uses that especially vets, but also owners and and riders can kind of utilize a bandage are going to be in the case of any sort of wounds, if they want to protect them 
prevent contamination, potentially hold medicine onto that wound. Um, other uses are going to be kind of controlling swelling and providing support for tendon and ligament injuries. Um, you know, if your horse is on stall rest or again, it's kind of not used to being up in a stall. So maybe it's at a show for the weekend. Um, obviously they can put a stable bandage on to minimize the swelling and again, kind of support things. Um, you know, definitely I think shipping wraps are used ideally for protection or support during long trips. Um, and then kind of the other thing I can think of would be any sort of performance polo wraps or boots or bandages for that sort of use. Okay. So I, I, I know like growing up, I used a lot of polo wraps and one of the polo wrap questions, I don't know if people still use them. I like the little Velcro ones are so much easier, but a lot of people still love polo wraps. And one of the, the, dilemmas in the boarding barn was to cup the fetlock with the rep or not. What do you do? Yes. So I would say 100% cup that fetlock with your polo bandage. Because again, like ideally, if you're using it for performance or if they're just going to stand in a stall, you're going to want to have even pressure from the hock or the knee down. You're going to want to support that fetlock and make sure that there's enough protection covering some of those high motion joints. So I definitely recommend to cup the fetlock if you're doing polo bandages. Okay, hold on. I have to call the girl I grew up with and tell her I told you so. Colleen, I'm coming for you. She just said you definitely cup the fetlock. <laughs> I was there like, why go. don't you just put it on the sides? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so I'm going to write that down, call Colleen today, and tell her na na na. Okay, so um, <laughs> then you've got standing wraps as well. And uh, it, one of the other kind of like what do people do is do you use the big fluffy pillow wraps or those thinner ones called the nobos? What, which one do you prefer? Or does it matter right. different, different things require different wraps? Right. I was going to say definitely for something like a standing wrap, a stable wrap or shipping, kind of the more fluff, the better. Um, so again, kind of your, your quilts are going to be ideal um, just because, again, they're going to be kind of the thickest things you can get a hold of. So not only is that going to provide a good barrier to some of those important tendons and ligaments and obviously the vessels that run down the sides of the legs as well, but they're also a little bit harder to wrap too tightly. Um, so I found that it's a bit easier for, for owners to hopefully avoid things like bandage bows if they use thicker paddings because one, again, the thicker, the better, and two, they can't pull it as tightly. Um, that being said, I these days, the no bows, in my opinion, are pretty appropriate. Um, you know, obviously they're less bulky, but they apply enough padding to the leg. Um, and again, it's a little bit easier to apply, but again, you're just going to want to be cognizant of how tight you're pulling your, your kind of primary layer of that bandage. So then there's also bandages that, and then I've, I own, you know, personal items like a elbow wrap that, that are the ceramic infused materials. Ooh, yeah. let, let's be real. Is that, does it work? So I think it's fantastic for horses that are potentially coming off of an injury or again, they're going to be stuck in a stall and they're not used to it and they're prone to potentially stocking up or coming out of the stall stiff because again, you're wanting to kind of increase the blood flow, heat things up and hopefully promote uh, healing and protect from any sort of excessive stress. But I'm not 
totally convinced that they're uh, kind of a make or break material, especially for your everyday bandages or, or things that aren't already potentially injured. Okay, so ceramic, does ceramic actually increase blood flow? So what it does is it takes the horse's own body heat and it kind of repurposes it and heats the area that it's covering. Again, what that does is that's just going to, when you heat anything up, it's going to dilate the vessels. It's going to cause increased blood flow to the area. And that is kind of the principle that I guess people go off of to say that it helps potentially make a quicker recovery. It's carrying nasty free radicals or any other byproducts of oxidative stress out of the area and bringing nice, happy, clean blood flow and good kind of mediators and whatnot to the area. Um, they have not been proven to decrease inflammation necessarily, uh, but again, they're kind of hoping to, to use the horse's own body temperature to help hopefully speed things up. So it's still a little bit of a, a myth. That being said, um, you know, there are some proven things like they can say it increases blood flow and kind of helps clearance of fluids and blood and lymph out of the area. Well, that's good to know because I just spent a lot of money on the elbow wrap and I actually thought it worked. And I was like, I woke up next morning. I was like, that feels better. So I was like, maybe there's something to it, but it's really hard to figure out when your horse isn't going to tell you whether it worked better or not. So right. Right. now that's it biggest thing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a three day eventer. And mm -hmm. on the day after cross country, everybody goes to the wash rack and starts poulticing. Okay. So mm -hmm. we slather the poultice on the horse. Then we take the, the paper bags and you crinkle them up and you get them nice and wet and you wrap that around. And then you put the wraps on top of that. Is that doing anything? And if it is doing something, what is it doing? Yeah. So I would say kind of poulticing. I love it. I also event myself. So I use it quite frequently after, you know, a hard cross country school, even if we're jumping a lot. Um, basically what that's going to do is it acts almost as a drawing agent. Um, so it's going to help prevent any sort of subcutaneous or very superficial swelling. Um, it's going to kind of keep things nice and cold and tight. And then what you're doing with the bandage around that poultice is you're kind of making sure it's got good contact with the skin. Um, and then you're also obviously putting your support bandage on top of that in most cases. So again, you're getting the compression that you want and you're also kind of supporting all of those important structures that are a little bit more stressed out during exercise, especially harder exercise like high long-term jump schools or, you know, cross country, or even if you're a Western performance horse, um, you know, doing aggressive like raining patterns or, or cutting or anything like that. So it definitely is very beneficial. I think it's kind of a, a joint effort with the, the icing and the poultice and then the the support bandages around it. So I definitely, whenever I personally am doing my own horse, or again, I'm recommending it to people, I love doing poultice wraps. I think it, it you know, again, kind of keeps everything nice and cold and tight and keeps the swelling out and hopefully keeps things as, as happy as possible. So we, at the end of our cross country school, we poultice all the horses. And then the next morning, the first thing you do is you go take the wrap off and try to get the poultice off. Is there a negative uh, part to the poultice being dry in some spots. Like I always, I'm like, I need to get up super early so I can take it off and I'll leave a dry poultice on for so long. Is that, is that just me being neurotic? I was about to say that that may or may not be a little bit of, uh, you know, being a <laughs> the answer is yes, that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't want to be dry. So there's no, no, no negative something coming with that. 
I was about to say, especially like the clay or the cold poultices, like those are, I think, a little bit, um, you know, less irritating to the skin. They're a little bit more natural, things that draw heat to the area. So if you're wanting to use something like a warm poultice, that's not necessarily what you would use on a leg, but more of a foot pack. Those are something you kind of want to monitor a little bit more carefully. The biggest thing is just getting it off the skin within 12 to 24 hours so you don't cause any skin irritation that can complicate things. I think that's the biggest thing when you're doing medicated or again, kind of poultice applications, you know, check to being, uh, check to being let know I was neurotic. So you know what? (laughs) It's not the first time I've heard it. So, um, I don't think there's one horse person listening right now. That's not a little neurotic. (laughs) That's true. You're all that way for sure. (laughs) Um, when I worked at the racetrack, uh, I galloped in Lexington for quite some time. And one of the things I would do afterwards is wrap the horse's legs after a gallop. And what they would do is put alcohol on the horse's legs. Kind of the same idea? Yes, very much so the same idea. So um, it's a similar principle to, you know, if you've got a horse that's overheated and you're wanting to cool things down and kind of tighten things up, basically what it does is it acts a bit of an astringent in the area. So again, it's going to keep things nice and cold and tight and happy and hopefully again, minimize swelling and and prevent any sort of, uh, you know, kind of acute injuries or stress and, and all that stuff. So... Well, doctor, this has been amazingly interesting and informative. And uh, just to let everybody know, if you do want to meet Dr. Scaro and uh, have her work on your horse, she does a lot of the sport horse lamenesses for Haggard and also pre-purchase evaluations and racetrack work. You kind of do a little bit of everything in the sport horse world with that. Because like if I was a vet, that would be what I wanted to do. Is this like the dream Yes. Um, this is kind of ever since, since I grew up riding, you know, it was so wonderful watching the veterinarians that worked on my horses as athletes. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And it, it definitely could have not worked out better to be kind of in horse country in central Kentucky and getting again to work on a little bit of everything because from the racetrack to the sales work to again, the kind of bigger sport horses, I know we're a very uh, kind of heavy eventing area. It's, it's the dream for sure. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely living a lot of people's dream. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. And I do hope you come back on again soon because you've been a delight. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. And yeah, you know, if you're ever in the area, look me up. I'll I'll be here. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. We'll, we'll be there for Land Rover. So we'll see you then. All right. The Daily Dose Equine offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves and have seen firsthand the difference that a superior nutrition can have in our equine partners. We invite you to learn more about Daily Dose Equine's origins and find a formula that's perfect for your equine partner. Partner at dailydoseequine.com. That's dailydoseequine.com. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. 
I don't think we're going to go to Florida once. Yay! Florida's off the hook today. Florida's off uh, the hook today. I don't think there's any Oklahoma either. Um, I would like to thank Scott, Chantel, Welcome Lorraine. Welcome new states to weird news. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, Matt, Ellen, Laura, thank you guys all for submitting weird news stories. Uh, first off, I have to tell you that I'm not going to tell you who sent what, although I already told you who sent me the super weirdest one in the history of weird news, which is going to be in the post show. I don't want to hear um, that one. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Oh, you do want to hear it. It's <laughs> Okay, so um, moving on. Uh, I don't need to tell you guys where these people get their news, so I'm not going to tell you who sent me what. And, and there were so many of them submitted that I won't have time to get to all of them. They were all equally awesome and weird. What I do, how I decide which ones to pick, Glenn, is Chad will be downstairs and I'll go, hey, what do you think about this one? And I'll yell that he's like, oh, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> and uh, Chad's our me. barometer. <laughs> Chad's our barometer. Yeah. So if you see a weird news story and you're like reading through your news, I'm not going to judge you wherever you find your news. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Uh, send it to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Put weird news in the subject line. And then I'll know what segment to put it in. Uh, however, I would like to say that I think you sent me this one if I'm not mistaken. Right. And there's a, there's a lot. I was, I was surprised you sent it because of what was actually the, the, what's the center of the story. Number one. And number two, I have way more concerns than the actual issue. Okay. okay. So the title is Vir- Virginia woman discovers a snake inside of bag of popcorn at a grocery <laughs> yeah. store. I do remember so this woman is shopping in the grocery store and she sees that she picks up this bag and like there's a hole in it and a snake comes out. Horrifying. Yes. But let's let's get a little more into it. Okay. A Virginia woman's trip to the grocery store took an unexpected turn on Thursday when she was startled by a snake in her shopping cart. Kimberly Slaughter was inside Yeah, Shopper that would do it. <laughs> yeah. When she saw... Okay, this is where it gets, this is where I'd have more questions. Kimberly Slaughter was inside Shopper's Value in Lunenburg County, Virginia, when she saw what she believed to be mouse feces inside her shopping cart. She had picked up a bag and put it down and she was like, I'm not getting that bag. So I put it on the bottom shelf because there was already mouse poop covering all of those shelves. Slaughter then, she said, did you notice rodent traps on the bottom shelf? I went to grab another bag of popcorn and that's when she found the one with the hole in the corner. Okay, hold it there. (laughs) If I saw that, I am out of the store. There's no more. I'm not going for a different bag of popcorn. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I would be very concerned about shopping for food in general at a store that had mouse traps. They probably all do, but they don't usually put the mouse traps where you can see them. Or mouse poop on the food. Yeah. Okay, nothing is mentioned about the apparent rodent problem that is happening inside this Virginia grocery store. All it was was talking about the snake in the bag. Yes, there was a snake in the bag. You know why? Because there's freaking mice everywhere. <laughs> Are you shocked this wasn't a Florida story, by the way? Yes, but it's still Virginia, so that does count. I just, I just, none of the story talks about the fact that there's a big rodent problem in the store. It's all about there was a snake in my bag, and I came in. Probably an advertiser on whatever news source posted it. Foxnews.com sponsored. (laughs) 
by shopper's value. <laughs> Dear God, I'm again reading a little further in. This is where I would not be a great journalist because I would ask the oh, inappropriate this questions. This is also why I don't read the county reports on the restaurants, the county health reports. Oh, I, I want to know. I don't want to. I don't want to know because they all yeah. got something going on. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Next story. Uh, you know, the, there's a, uh, do you have a joke? Like the joke horse walks into the bar. The bartender says, why the long face yeah, yeah, yeah. or three blondes walk into a bar and the brunette ducked, you know, like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of bar jokes. Well, have you ever heard the one about the beaver who walked into the bar? No, that's because it's not a joke. It actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a pub called the U tree pub and Norton Keynes, a village a in the Staffordshire, Oregon, no, uh, Staffordshire region in England, just a, just a pub. And there's like a smoking patio on the back and people were hanging out, like smoking and drinking. And then they're like, Hey, what's that? And up the stairs, sauntering over in just no hurry, is a beaver. <laughs> so weird because beavers are not native to that area. <laughs> they said, we simply don't get beavers around here. So when we got the call that there's a beaver in a bar, they're like, oh, it must just be an otter. Why would an otter be in a bar? <laughs> well, they're not known to be big drinkers either. I mean, so they actually said they were like, they were like, oh, it's a bar. There's a beaver in the bar. Oh, it just must be an otter. Like that's normal. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't really hustle Otters out. Otters drink much more. They're they're I way mean, more into beer. Clearly, in England, you find <laughs> otters in the bar way more than beavers. So uh, the beaver like was just hanging out and like walked up, and he was like giving himself a bath when they walked up with the crate, and they put the crate down, and they kind of tapped their leg on the wall, and it jumped right in the crate, and they left. And beavers fine. <laughs> but I just thought that's weird that they'd be like, oh, duh. It must not be a beaver. It's probably just an otter. otter. Like, <laughs> they can why is the that okay? Better. None of this is okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> so weird. We're going to stay in England, okay? Uh, this is in London. Apparently, England has two new unexpected celebrities. This is according to the Washington Post. Um, there was a chef who was in his restaurant, and it looks like one of those just storefront, along the street kind of restaurant, pubs in England. And a guy... Dry. He said he, he, the Dean Wade is the chef and he heard a loud screeching noise and then heard a crash and he ran outside and somebody had driven a Jeep into the building next to him, bam, and hit the wall. Well, a woman gets out of the passenger side and runs off. And then the guy gets out of the driver's seat and goes to run off. And he said he, quote, appeared drunk and was swaying back and forth. No kidding. And he started, yeah. <laughs> so he started to, to leave. And the citizen was like, there's no way you're going anywhere. And then the guy who was driving started running and took off. Okay. So then uh, this guy is like, the chef is like, you're not getting out of here that fast and started to chase him wearing slip resistant rubber kitchen clogs and chef's overalls. This is what the article said, probably an apron. Uh, he chased him 
for 20 minutes running after this what? drunk guy through bushes. That's gardens, dedication right there. <laughs> through streets. Yeah, right. And then guess where they end up? In an animal sanctuary. Okay. <laughs> so they stumble into an animal sanctuary. Again, there's a segment called Weird News for a reason. What happens? Wade's like, I could see this massive emu. I'm six feet tall and it was bigger than me. And the drunk guy starts to run into the emu enclosure. And Wade yells, mate, don't go in there. And the drunk guy turns to him and goes, I can fight emus. And then he heads into the emu enclosure. I'm not making this up. This is on the Washington Post. (laughs) Apparently, the emu had chicks. Oh. And it did not go well and the for emu the drunk said, guy. I can fight humans. <laughs> yes. He said the emu attacked him, was stabbing his body all over. Wade said, causing the man to curse and then unsuccessfully attempt to kung fu, kung fu kick the animal away. <laughs> the bird then kept stabbing at the driver, who eventually gave up, fled the pen, and ran to the river, which is when Wade at the animal sanctuary Hey, there's a guy over here. He's crashed car and was attacking your emu. And then a police officer flagged, he flagged him down and they went over and arrested <laughs> the drunk emu fighting guy who crashed his car into the front of a restaurant. All of that is very strange. They did not find the girl who took off. I'm sure eventually it's going to yeah, come they, out. They yeah. But this they have cameras happened. all over London. So exactly, yeah. this happened in Leeds, and his quote that they, they interviewed the, the Post says, "What? What made you decide to do this?" And he said, yeah, in, that's Leeds, my question. "In Leeds, we don't stand by and do nothing." <laughs> so I got to ask you: You're a kickboxer and everything. You probably have your black belt by now. Do they get belts in kickboxing? No, uh, but I'm level four, whatever that means. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. So how long do you chase this guy before you go, screw it, I'm out? Uh, I, I'm not from Leeds, so <laughs> I probably go, hey, hey, you should. You know what? He's gone. (laughs) See, they don't have the gun problem we do. In America, you don't do that at all because you get shot. But but, uh, I probably got five minutes in me before I'm going, uh, you know. You know what? I mean, yeah, I'd love to say that I would chase him down, leap on his back, wrestle him to the ground. No, it's probably not going to happen because... You know, I mean, nobody got hurt. He's ran off like you're an yeah, idiot. Yeah, exactly. I'll report him. Exactly. Brave guy. The last one. Either that or hated cooking so much, he just would do anything to get out of it. Yeah, let me just get out of this kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about various types of art, Glenn. And, and you know, art in, in, in the eyes of one person can be beautiful and majestic and amazing. And in the eyes of another person can be stupid. <laughs> so we had an artist on the show with these amazing sculptures like Pegasus, wings, flames, all the things. Amazing. But then you've got this one. We're going to Auckland, New Zealand. There's an artist and his name is Matthew Griffin. And he was in the Auckland Art Gallery and he was going to create his art. So what does he do, Glenn? How would you create art? No, you know what? You can't even answer it because you're not <laughs> yeah, art guy. So uh, Matthew Griffin is in the art gallery and he pulls out a McDonald's hamburger. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he takes the top of the bun 
off of the burger, puts out of it. You don't need that. That's not art. Then he reaches through the ketchup and grabs a pickle from the top of his McDonald's hamburger. He takes the dill pickle, little pickle slice, and flings it up onto the ceiling where <laughs> it sticks. Oh my God, years. it's brilliant! <laughs> He's brilliant. The Sydney-based artist flung, quote, a single slice of pickle plucked from a McDonald's cheeseburger on the ceiling, and people have already made up their minds about the art piece. While some called it moronic, other people said it's brilliant or genius. And they're all stoned. Now, uh. That's so, so high. <laughs> okay, so whether you think it's brilliant or moronic, this pickle on the ceiling can be yours. You can buy this, Glenn, for 10000 New Zealand dollars, which is about $6,288. Okay? You're like, wow, how can I buy a pickle on a ceiling? You don't actually get that pickle on a ceiling. Okay? Your 10000 New Zealand dollars are going to go to instructions on how to recreate the art in your own space, but you do have to additionally spend the $4.44 for the cheeseburger. I think I can get my own cheeseburger <laughs> and figure this one out. I really do. I think, you know, maybe with a couple of temps stirring the pickle up there, I'd probably get it to stick. Although we have those those ceilings that, uh, I forget what they're called, popcorn or whatever, that, you know, are really, they're not flat, they're not smooth. So getting the pickle to stick up there might be trouble. Well, I don't think they're going to give you those instructions, but here is the quote. <laughs> I'd um, pay an extra 10000 for that. <laughs> here's the final paragraph of this news story from MASH.com. By the way, I'm with Moronic, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you spend $10,000, you don't even get that you don't even get. I want you them get, to cut you, a hole in the ceiling and give it to me in a frame. I don't understand. Like, we're going to give you instructions, but you still have to provide your own burger. That's not a thing. You're literally just giving somebody $10,000 for being an idiot. All right. So here's the final sentence, uh, final paragraph. If you're wondering what's the point. Yes, we yes, all we are. are. <laughs> Griffin's representative, Ryan Moore, said, quote, the gesture is so pure, so joyful. And that's what makes flicking pickles on the ceiling so great. End quote. We guess this is the case of different strokes for different folks, folks. Yeah, I'm going back <laughs> to being high myself. <laughs> that's where I'm going. Can I get that pickle? Can I get extra pickles? Thank you. I could just see a whole bunch of stone people looking up. And that's your weird news for today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you come across a story that you want to share with us, please email it to jamie at horseradionetwork.com. And we're going to do apparently one more story in the post show. Uh, plus oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm maybe it's so uncomfortable, maybe but we'll it's, do we're going to do it. We're doing it. Uh, plus, I have a story out of Norco. So we'll do in a post show too that happened last night. Horsetown, USA. Uh, happened last night was all over the news. But first, I have a quote to end today. Speaking of creative, this is so perfect. We didn't set this Make up. Make it beautiful because I'm going to unbeautify this podcast in we the post show. We didn't set this up. When the uncreative tell the creative what to do, it stops being art. <gasps> it we're stops apparently being art. uncreative. We were telling <laughs> this guy it wasn't art. It's not art. You threw a pickle <laughs> on the ceiling. I remember I got in trouble. And all of the girls did because some girls were wadding up paper towels or toilet paper and wetting it and throwing it on the ceiling in the girls' bathroom. I didn't do that. You were making uh, popcorn ceilings too. They were making art before yes. art was art. <laughs> By the way, Tony Bennett said that. So there you go. 
That's it for today. We'll see y'all. I'm dreading this push show. Spade it or Marion uh, Jennifer will be here tomorrow doing a training show. <laughs>